2: I hope people weren't coming here hoping to see Deborah Callahan, who I'm filling in for. So um, she was scheduled to give a Dharma talk tonight and is not feeling well. So I wish her a speedy and complete return. I also want to wish Asian good health, knowing that she also had some sneezing today. So we're all being very good about protecting the herd. Um, we have good ventilation in here as well. So, uh, this is our fourth, is it our fourth? Fourth meeting here in this new, uh, practice place. The Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, Lincoln Square, Zendo that five times very quickly <laughs> um, it's like when you give yourself a really long email name and then you regret it for the rest of your life <laughs> but you also learn to live with it and play with it and practice with it so that's what we're up to together um i wondered how this new zendo feels to people even those in the cloud how's it going to be here Welcome, Dale. I haven't seen you. And since the pandemic, I think in person, maybe you were at an outdoor retreat. Yes. Did you? Yeah. I think I saw you there. So I hope you and your family come out. Mm-hmm. You.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The same. And, uh, no.
2: Yeah. So um, I hope that this helps ourselves and feels supported. You know, we have kind of a nice, intimate group tonight, and it feels... I don't know, a little less cavernous, maybe, than at Ebenezer. Um, so this is our new sazen infused uh, habitat for our beloved ancient dragon. For the dragon that is our sangha, our one-practiced body, you know. This is our energy, reaches out even into the cloud and brings us together rooted in Sazen. And though dragons have a reputation for being a little fierce or scary, our ancient dragon is an ancient bodhisattva here, I think, that dives into the depths of Buddhist ocean of wisdom and compassion and uh, returns to Lincoln Square in the cloud to support peace and wholeness In everyday life, it's just everyday lorries and everyday nostalgia and everyday weights and everyday everyone, everyday targets. Um, So maybe each one of us is just a little scale on this giant dragon body. (laughs) What is that the scales? on the ancient dragon, Maha Sattva. So I really felt our oneness uh, very recently uh, through the unique, particular efforts of each Sangha member to arrive here, creating a dragon habitat. Reminds me of like an aquarium. You know, when you do a saltwater aquarium and you have to go through a lot of steps to help it thrive to provide a thriving environment. Um, And this uh, dragon habitat also includes the cloud. So we actually now have our video working so we can see everyone and hopefully everyone can kind of see us a little bit and it's working a little better. And if anyone needs to move your seat to check out the cloud, that's really just
1: fine. Um, and I would like to really offer express
2: I don't know if I can ever express it fully this deep gratitude that I feel to everyone here and in the cloud and so many people who are maybe unseen by most of us uh, who helped create this habitat, this Lincoln Square habitat? You now, this this apartment hadn't been touched in like 35 years. It had been inhabited by a hoarder, who was a wonderful being, but an opera hoarder, kind of a dragon himself, who passed away about a little over a year ago. He would have been 89 on November 11th. Um, so the walls had to be repaired. The carpet was miraculously cleaned professionally twice. Um, Electrical outlets were fixed. Surfaces were washed. Windows, walls. There was construction cleanup. People made signs directing us here. Lights were hung to to guide us into the dragon's lair. Um,
1: The assembly,
2: generous financial offerings, paid for the work and any purchases. And many people, just a little over a week ago, really, uh, moved the Zendo from Ebenezer down three flights of stairs. Just many of us were here doing that and packing it into our vehicles and bringing it over to our Lincoln Square space, uh, arranging altars and cushions, supporting the doans and Techno to have their equipment, placing all the cushions out. It's really kind of amazing uh, the subtle and gross sort of great layers of support that it takes just to support us sitting here today with each other. Kind of unbelievable. In some ways. And I just, you know, I made a list of names of people as we were going through this process uh, in my phone, just so I could reflect on uh, who showed up to help uh, in physical reality. Now, of course, we're getting help all the time from everyone, but I'll just name a few people. So there were Wade, Dylan, Mike. David Ray, David Weiner, uh, Sophia, our new intern, Maddie, her friend, Gioshin, our Eno, Jerry, Amber, new songba, and current girlfriend of Dylan, <laughs> Dylan, Chris, Ava, Kathy Bingham. Brian, Asian, our worker, our construction worker Ian and his three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Stella. Cameron, and Alec, the workers who came twice to take care of our carpets. Alec is from the Ukraine. Tygen, Bo, Angie, our party treasurer providing funding. Douglas, and of course, more and more layers of support, deeper and deeper layers. But I just think that uh, it's a wonderful thing to feel the amazing effort of everyone to come and practice here. And of course, everyone who's ever practiced with us is also part of this support, as is the great earth and the entire universe. So
1: thank you very much. Great Sangha.
2: So there's been a request that I, uh, in my fill-in talk, that I speak about forms, uh, Zendo forms, and something about the paramitas And I think quite a few people have been speaking about this already, including Taigen yesterday. Um, So I apologize for continuing on this topic, which is really kind of an amazing topic. Um, So Zen forms, we all know what Zen forms are, like how we enter the Zendo, how we greet each other, how we sit on our cushions, upright. You know, we've had these instructions. And of course, uh, the forms of Zazen, our forms uh, include the forms of Zen, include this Zazen posture, sitting meditation, but also um, bowing, chanting, eating, dressing, cleaning, walking, (laughs) all the ways in which we have a bodily attitude or deportment in our activity. And these are ways simply of arranging our lives to support the well-being of the world. And all of the parmitas are also ways to support this effort, this intention of kindness and peace and harmony. So I'll just say that forms and paramitas are essentially a relationship. You know, they're essentially about how we are in relationship with self internally and also with others. So how do you gasho to your inner self and how does it manifest outwardly?
1: That is how do you join your palms together? And we do this
2: form in more, hmm, let's say, less explicit ways, less uh, obvious ways. But we accord with the Dharma, aligning our bodies and hearts in all our relationships with our families, our friends, our pets, with our enemies and those who hate us, with our planet, with rocks, trees, seeds, ocean, fish, corals, plastic, nuclear waste, all of it. How do we relate to that in accord with the Dharma? With nothing left out in all of our internal and external gestures and presence. So I noticed I was leaning just a little bit. I'm sorry about that. My hips are a little out of alignment. Thank you. So we constantly lean a little and come back. Mm. So there's a rush of duality and separation that we feel often in our daily life. Um, And this is prominent in human life. But this is our Buddha field of practice. Um, So... In, I'll just mention that when you think about form, you might consider the paramita energy or virya. Uh, it takes a lot of energy. It takes commitment, enthusiasm, persistence, determination, grit, courage, resilience. This is this is the paramita, the way of living bodhisattva activity that virya refers to, or this energy and enthusiasm, paramita takes a lot of energy to stay awake and be present in this rush of duality. That is, you know, like some people might be like, Oh, I feel good. Like the Democrats seem to be winning now. Hmm. No. So what's our form for meeting these situations? What's the form of our heart and mind internally and externally? Somehow I don't think that form is, I beat that guy,
1: I'm better. But maybe there's other forms without
2: winning and losing, but just caring. So it takes some energy to do that because we're full of these. Uh, Distractions, internal and external distractions, harmful habit tendencies, intoxicants.
1: And then there's the energy to
2: center ourselves once again in this wholeness and in our relationships in a caring, kind, peaceful way. So this is a directionality towards wholeness. That's manifest in each moment of our life. This is the kind of form that we carry, that's enfolded and embedded in our Zen forms. So this form in Zen, in the Zendo, is a little bit intense sometimes, especially if you might have perfectionistic tendencies, which of course none of us have, right? Probably everybody attracted to Zen has a little bit of perfectionism. Maybe. And I will say, I will confess here and now, that I myself have had quite a bit. I feel. um, But the other side of that, in form, is this careful attention in accord with the Dharma. According, coming back to Buddha, coming back to living in the house of Buddha, these forms are our family style. You know, it's kind of what we serve at Thanksgiving dinner, this form. And this is a careful attention to our relationship with the inner and outer body. And these examples, of course, that we have in the sendo is this Wonderful choreography, right? This dance we do in the Zendo, how we bow, how we chant, the ceremonies, including the ceremony of Zazen, how we care for our physical space here, how we use the bathroom here. I know about you, but like when I'm in Zen temples, I kind of use the bathroom a little differently. I'm a little more tentative, and I don't take it for granted as much until I've been there for a few weeks. But, you know, bow before you enter the bathroom. That's one form. You bow the altar when you leave. Don't wear your robes in the bathroom, your rock suits or okesas. Ah, uh, so forms are how we pay attention to our intention and kind of goes this in accord with the Buddha way. Now, forms are, in our practice, are kind of these established traditional ways of doing things, kind of decorum and etiquette. I know Dale studies tea ceremony, which is like super form.
1: Uh, And
2: maybe you'll have something to say about that a little later during discussion. It would be really wonderful. Um, But this decorum can also feel like rules and restraints. And I think that most Americans don't like to be told what to do. You want to do it my way. One of my favorite uh, versions of Sinatra's My Way is done by Sid Vicious. And he's just practically, (laughs) uh, you know, Total meltdown of my way, you know, and it's this like really intense thing. Um, and this is the opposite of form, maybe. It's our way. We do things together in harmony. But there's a tendency to rebel against that for most of us. Uh, so nobody likes to be told what to do, but even worse, Nobody likes to be told that we're doing something the wrong way. That's even worse. Yet at best, these forms provide a safe space. I think of it as a bodhisattva playpen. So we're kind of childproofed in here. We don't say very much. We have a way of being that's kind of harmonious. There's not too many things to break or get too excited about but we create a safe space and humans need a sense of safety and care to grow and thrive. We need this. Um, And part of our growth and thriving is folding up our unwholesome habits of many lifetimes and finding our liberated activity. And it's hard to face that. So we need to feel safe In that space. So the forms provide safety.
1: And if they don't, something's up. So in the forms, we take this internal and
2: external posture of Buddha. We carve a Buddha out of our bodies, sitting like a Buddha.
1: You know, we all look kind of like Buddha sitting right now.
2: So in this way, we find the true Buddha, the true dragon. Um, You know, in studies, when I was thinking about this talk, I was thinking about forms and uh, wonders and dangers of them. And that it reminded me of like, studies of parenting styles. And Kathy Bingham isn't here. She studied developmental psychology and family therapy pretty extensively. But you may have heard that there's a differentiation of parenting styles that has been researched. And Anastasia, you may have heard of these, uh, you know, permissive, neglectful, authoritarian, and authoritative, so this is pretty obvious what these might be, right? And I've been thinking of, at its best, our form is authoritative. That is, it provides enough structure for safety and learning and cooperation and growth so it holds us. Some people call it a container, but I think of it like a, a soft Safe
1: space. <laughs> um,
2: at its best. So there's enough structure that there's a trellis for us to grow, but without it annihilating our value and our experience. So, like authoritative. Is like, oh, just the chief in charge counts. And I think we've we've had about enough of that uh, in our world. The rigid, stifling, shaming, and kind of chaotic authoritarian. So, you know, it's interesting. Somebody was telling me about conspiracy theories and said, and populism, and she said that in her reading, she read that chaos and lack of structure is one aspect of like populist authoritarianism. So when there aren't any rules and only one person makes them and they're constantly uprooted and challenged when there's no decorum, that's one uh, method of actually controlling and hurting people. Creating kind of paranoia. So our, our forms have a possibility of creating safety. So people who've been practicing longer have more responsibility for helping create that safe environment for newer folk and for each other. So our Zendo is this playpen where we learn to grow up.
1: (laughs) And it has a few rules.
2: So rather than viewing being off-kilter in our posture or forgetting a bell as an error, maybe we can think of these apparent mistakes as non-standard practice. Mm. So if somebody goes, Did I do, did I hit the bells and was I good as Kokyo? Well, yeah, it was good. You were, but there was some non-standard. (laughs) <laughs> Instead of, oh, you forgot to ring the bell, or you, you hit the Han at the wrong time, or you didn't sit Zazen straight, you know. So so I would offer that as a possibility for us to play with this non-standard uh, language, adherence to form. <laughs> then we return to the standard Then we're like, okay, these are the standards that we're working on. Now, this morning, I was creating a set of standards for serving tea during our social time, the ancient dragon. Those may be changed, but I think that my intention was just to support that practice so the person who was serving tea didn't feel too nervous about doing that for the first or 50th time, and that maybe we didn't burn the house down, or infect each other. (laughs) You know, one of the things is wash your hands, tie your hair back, (laughs) if you have hair.
1: (laughs) Um, So,
2: you know, I think of the forms like we can always return to standard, to upright. I think that's always possible for us. Um, like in dance or any performance, I know some people are performers or musicians in the room or martial artists. If somebody doesn't follow the form, if a non-standard move or a non-standard note <laughs> is played, the show still goes on, you know, and in the best of times you help each other. So if in tea ceremony you didn't exactly move your hand or fold something you still keep going, right? Think. You serve tea. Tea is served. So, of course, bowing, zen posture, go on bells are most familiar examples for us of form. So I thought it might be fun for us to try one together. So everyone, just place your hands in gasho.
1: And I'm going to just you know,
2: maybe just close your eyes and feel that. So can you feel, you know, it, are your hands and fingers together? Or are your thumbs sticking out? or your hands separated? But bring them together. At about, you know, kind of, I would say, nose height. Tips of your fingers aren't blocking your vision. Really?
1: And just breathe into your gosho form posture.
2: Palms joined. And are they pressing tightly together? Or are they is there space
1: for the entire universe
2: without a gap? And are your hands, you know, how far away are they from your face? You, know, you can kind of feel that. Should be about, you know, a hand's width, palm's width.
1: You feel that, and
2: notice like what the rest of your body is doing. How are your shoulders? How are your armpits? Are they like clenched up? Are you are they kind of swooped? You know, so how how just just in this, you know, the simplest of forms. We can all kind of open our eyes and allow our posture to rest. But you know, you can think like as I was talking, think about your experience of the simple gesture of fullness. Are people like, wait a minute? I don't like Kogatsu telling me all my hand my hand should be this way or that way, you know, or oh wow, my energy was, you know, in my left shoulder. You know, so so in our form, you know, we are meeting the world in every form we do, whether it's picking up the striker for the bell, lighting charcoal, sipping tea. Um, This is actually cool water
1: compliments of Mother Earth.
2: So so this is what our practice and our space together, this is the program
1: that is offered by Soto Zen.
2: Hello, up there. Um, So we can bring this settled energy of curiosity and exploration to our reaction to all the forms And then we can notice where we're attached to form. And we can also pay attention to our non-standard enactments and return to standard according to the Dharma. And I'll just share a few examples that recently, you know, (laughs) so this thing about form is a constant exploration, even for very, very senior practitioners and uh, recently, uh, I had some conversations with some dear Dharma friends about form before I even knew I was going to give this talk, really. Um, so, as you may know, there are forms for wearing and handling Buddha's robe, okasas and rakasus. So carry them in the sendo in a certain way. When we remove our robes, we put them in their envelopes and we store them in some high special or higher special place that's dedicated to them. Like we have a shelving unit here that are used for cases and rakasus, and we'll soon make an altar there. And we would bow to that and store our robes there. That's the way that we traditionally care for Buddha's robe here and at many of Zen places. And Wade and I had had a little discussion because we we're like, well, should we put the clean supplies under that Rakasu rack? And I had an impulse to do it. Maybe Wade had one, and we kind of helped each other. It just doesn't work. You know, although it could seem convenient. Um, before we put on our robes, we place them on our heads when we first put them on for the day and we chant the robe chant. You've all seen this pretty much, I think. Um, so these are conventions. These are forms. right? So uh, someone told me this story recently about uh, a Zen master named, I think, Sugen Narasaki. Maybe Tigan's heard this story. But what it was told to me is that Suga Narasaki, this Japanese Soto Zen priest, was at a kind of ecumenical conference where there were priests from other persuasions. And one of them was a Rinzai priest. And Narasaki put his o'kaisa on his head and did his robe chant. And the Rinzai priest said to him, why do you do that? Apparently Rinzai people don't do this. Um, or That's what my friend said. Why do you put your case on your head? (laughs) And Narasaki said, you should find out. So this is our invitation in form, actually, to find out what is it like when we just do something without always having some specific reason, except that it's our way and it's a way of, comes from respect and also carrying a tradition that's, long before our memories or any of our teachers or their teachers' memories, probably. Um, so this was recommending the standard practice <laughs> to another priest. I thought it was kind of nice. an Invitation, why don't you find out? See what it feels like. Uh, this afternoon, actually, another priest friend of mine were having a discussion and she was talking about her attachment to her okesa this is about attachment to form. And she said, oh, I know I'm attached to my okesa. And then she said, you know, I don't know, like seven years ago during a practice period at a Zen temple, she found herself enraged at people because they were putting books, bowls, yoki bowls, scarves, water bottles on top of the okesa rakasu storage racks.
1: Imagine that.
2: I didn't tell my friend this, but actually, this has been done at ancient Dragon as well. We had a rakusu rack, and all sorts of things would be stored on that rack that weren't all cases. <laughs> and I would walk by it every time and be like, "Um, how do It's, it's a call on? What do I do with this?" Do I say something? Do I move that stuff? Do I put my rock or a case of, I case I don't know. But so, but my friend said, this was just every day, make you really angry. She said, I got so angry. And, uh, seeing these bottles, <laughs> she even said something to another priest. Another priest said, Hey, it's more convenient to put my water bottle here. And, uh, so my friend was sitting Sashin, and she said to herself, and she gave me permission to share this story. She said, what kind of temple is this where people have no respect for Buddha's robe? She's also a sewing teacher. She said, even a priest is carelessly leaving water bottles. I have to leave this temple right now. <laughs> Start laughing, you know, because she could see through. Like, she's sitting, and she's like, Ah-ha! can you believe this? Uh, laughing at herself. So this is what our our Zendo forms help us. It's like a a roto-rooter for our habits, you know, or a bright light that illuminates (laughs) all the bugs running around inside of us. Uh, And then we become friends with them. We don't smash them and transform them. Uh, This is actually the same friend whose teacher, when she asked, oh, you know, did I do a great job as Dawn? And the teacher said, yeah, I did a good job. But there were some non-standard, you know, moves. So our reactions to forms can really illuminate this ego protection, dualistic pattern, you know, defensiveness. Well, I was right. It's what the book said, you know. Um perfectionism, inattention, like some people, like, I tend to fall asleep, you know, like, oh, I forgot to ring the bell. Uh You know, people are like, when does that go on ringing the bell? So, you know, we all have these, these habits. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we learn to open and pour ourselves into the form into the moment and give up all of that. We learn that slowly, slowly, slowly. So I'm just going to end with a little quote from our dear ancestor Dogen who says, just set aside your body and mind, forget about them, throw them into the house of Buddha. Being activated by the Buddha, we go along in accord with this, with this moment, with this standard or non-standard form. Those are my additions. Then Dogen goes on to say there is a simple way to become a Buddha when you refrain from unwholesome actions, when you're not attached to birth and death or basically our karmic existence, uh, when you're compassionate towards all sentient beings, respectful to seniors and kind to juniors, not excluding or desiring anything with no designing thoughts or worries, then you'll be called a Buddha. Do not seek anything else. So I think this is a way to approach form from this heart. And then we have a chance of being nourished and held by the forms and safe. So um may our Zendo forms and the forms of our daily life, our life greeting postal workers or sweeping the sidewalk or accepting a cup of water. Uh, may our forms support a life of liberation and peace for our world, Bodhisattvas. And I think. Might be enough for me for tonight, but I'd really love to hear your responses and anything you have to say about your experience with form or the energy that nourishes form or arises from form. So bring forth any of your comments or experiences in this realm. And online folks, uh, I think Wade will.
1: Help you speak, <laughs> and I think Douglas is going to get up and make us tea. Thank you, Douglas. Did you have anything to say before you what go? Where is that Dogen quote from?
2: Birth and death. From Moon in a Dewdrop, Shoji, I believe. It's actually not the same in causes. Most there's some variation in the words in causes. Most recent translation of Shobo Genzo, but it is here in Moon in the Dewdrop. Um, actually had it written out in this ancient papyrus we found the quote in Lunar a Dewdrop because it wasn't in the more recent Shavaganzo that cross-translated with many others, including Todgen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you,
3: you would ask me to uh... Yeah. Comment about the tea ceremony which show. Uh, I mean, it's very auspicious. I really just completed my tea house that I've been building. At your home? At my home. Wow. And last week we had the opening and I've been working at it for years. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. nice that it's auspicious that this is at the same time. And so I've had a number of tea ceremonies that I'm explaining about the forms to the person an old from grammar school who the to do today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, mean, I was telling him how my teacher corrects me when when I do things wrong wrong. She does non-standard. Non standard. She she doesn't say you're doing it wrong. She says if you hold your hand a little more like this and like this and stuff. So it will make the guests feel much more at ease. Uncomfortable.
1: Um,
3: yeah. Um, and it's not right or wrong, it's you're doing it because it creates what you're trying to create in two ceremonies, which is to me feels like what we're trying to do here. Right.
2: Welcoming, caring.
3: Harmony, respect, purity, harmony. and tranquility. Are the, yes.
2: Yeah, harmony, respect, purity, and tranquility. Pretty good. <laughs>
1: Wonderful.
2: Well, in medicine too, right? Haven't they done some studies that say when you follow protocols, the outcomes tend to be better because even though we think we're actually following a protocol, if you're not really going through like a checklist, there's, there's a possibility you're leaving like a sponge or a scalpel inside, sewn up inside of someone. <laughs> so they've actually, I think, done some studies with this, but I don't know if that's true in emergency medicine.
1: One is emptiness. emptiness yeah. Paula, <laughs> you have a comment, I think. Thank you, Dale.
2: One thing that I always find striking about form. And, like we were saying, it could feel very confining at first. But actually, when everybody's doing the same thing, it's an opportunity to really see each person's individuality.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you really get a sense, even if there's no communication verbally and the whole room is trying to move in a certain manner, you really get to know each individual by their energetic signature and their unique way of trying to move within the form. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's beautiful, mm-hmm. even though it can seem confining. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting you mentioned energetic signature, because this is also virya, that in that form, there's a tremendous amount of energy. First, it comes from restraint, but then it comes from freedom. And this is what we learn over time in our practice. I love that energetic signature. Um,
4: Asian has her hand up online and we're coming near the end. So thank you. Thank
0: you. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, perhaps Asian would be the last
0: comment. Um, thank you for a thought provoking and spontaneous and harmonious talk. Um, but it was really your comment about medicine and protocols and emergency medicine that made me think of something today to, um, I went through what's called a tabletop exercise at work with my emergency management team last week, and I decided to bring that to my staff because it involved a situation, a scenario in which a student has died. And, you know, I wanted everyone to think through together how we would respond. And something that came up, when we were going through this, I wanted to just make sure that everyone knows, you know, kind of basically how what's expected of us and how we respond. Something that came up was if this had been an actual situation, we would be having a lot of anxiety. And so thinking it through beforehand and having some forms and protocols in place could be very, very helpful because then you could rely on remembering that. And it made me think of, um, I think something Hosan Alan Sinaki said just kind of casually one time about how, you know, when that at different times you kind of just fall back on your training. And so I think that there's a lot to be said for um, learning and paying attention to the forms, because it is something that you will tend to fall back on at times when you're feeling uncertain or, or things, are, things are chaotic. Wonderful. Asian.
2: Yes, being carried by the forms, supported and held. So you really don't. If you just give yourself to them, if you throw yourself in the house of Buddha, you're supported
0: completely. It's it, yeah. It's really a gift. Yeah, and and not a test. It's not. It's
2: not a rehearsal. <laughs> so thank you. Yes, what a wonderful way for us maybe to end, unless. You know, somebody really wants to say something now, because we'll have tea for those in person. I so wish we could serve you tea, people online. No. I can't wait till that's possible <laughs> in the metaverse or something like that.
4: <laughs> if
2: oh, David Lunder, yeah.
4: One real quick thing. Um, if you've never seen it, I recommend uh, seeing, for the laughter, uh, the Japanese movie called The Funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about someone dying and how the family then has to go through all the protocols. Yeah. And um, the woman director is really skewering, skewering Japanese society. Way, anyway. but what it is, there are exact words you're supposed to do, and something that Dale said, and then something that Asian said, kind of reminded me of it. And that you're doing it so that everybody feels safe. Mm-hmm that they won't be doing it. If we all have the same exact thing that we're doing, nobody could be made a fool of. Mm-hmm. If we all keep, we're all protecting each other. they putting the hand a certain way will make the guests feel more comfortable. And Asian saying, when we have a, a, yes. a student death, we'll have anxiety. So if we have a form to follow, it's a safe container, yes. as you were saying earlier this evening. And I think that's an important way of looking at forms that they're a safe container so that nobody will feel uh, hurt or they will all feel taken care of Right. in that sense. Even
2: when they feel hurt, they feel taken care of. And we need to be careful because we're not Japanese and we have our own society. And while tea ceremony is very beautiful, for our Zen practice, we're building this in America. We're learning and evolving. It's our dragon you know we're nurturing it in the habitat and so we have to figure out how that works in our environment and so you know this is this is so key for us so we don't just we are chaotic you know like when a certain president came into office they just ignored all rules of protocol and i think that made us very anxious and people who dealt with that person and so it's a tactic you know so so we can we can find our way we find our way our space dictates how we move and our protocol in it and our our time together so we'll find our way maybe all this japanese stuff will go away but we'll still have this trellis this form